Hi, I'm the Reverend Dr. Death. And I'm La Yarena. And this is Death Holler News. Death Holler News. I'm your news anchor for the evening, the Reverend Dr. Death, and joining me from an undisclosed location deep in the astral plane is my co-anchor, La Urena. How are things in the further, Urena? You know, I decided that the name of where I'm currently residing is California. <laughs> that is genius. Tell me it's that's, not. That's, that's genius. That's pretty fitting for the... Uh, current state of affairs, I guess, as it were. You know, it makes sense because I'm thinking, why do I have to be up at this ungodly hour while you've had time to maybe grab a cup of coffee or, you know, kind of ponder on things? And I'm just like waking up like, ah, shit, fucking gotta go. (laughs) Waking up by my little hellcat to remind me that I'm supposed to be on Death Hour Lose. Like, oh, just kidding. I'm here. (laughs) Well, we have quite a few things to discuss in entertainment news, but first up, local news. Recent winter storms have left the residents of Bloodcrest with a disturbing development. According to local sources, a series of strange ice formations have mysteriously appeared in the Daniel Boone National Forest. One eyewitness, Frank Bannister, claims that the structures originally appeared in a clearing long thought to be an Indian burial ground and and look like the uh, tormented haints, or ghosts of those unfamiliar with the regional dialect. Um... He's, he went on to say that the forest spirits uh, seem to be moving with each morning thaw and are getting closer and closer to town each day. Not everyone is so convinced. Milton Dammers, the local town drunk, thinks that the whole thing is a load of hogwash. He claims it's a prank being played by the local youth on account the town council banned dancing within town limits. Sides, Mr. Dammers added, ain't nobody believing you can freeze spirits around here. Even a wet behind the ears teen knows that bourbon's best served straight out the freezer. Can't argue with that logic, eh, Urena? <laughs> well, that just sounds so frightening. <laughs> oh, there goes my pancreas going off. <laughs> See, you done got me upset now. <laughs> I forgot to turn that alert down. <laughs> oh, wow. That's a good one for the blooper reel as well. Yes, sir. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, what, what did the locals say they're going to do about it? Uh, so some of them are going to try to move. The others are just hoping that uh, it'll warm up and that whatever's keeping the spirits trapped there in the ice form will just go away. Good luck with that. Yep. It's just everyday <laughs> life out here. Um, but uh, on to our main news segment. Uh, up first from Cinema Blend, uh, the sequel to Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead has been given a title. No longer just Army of the Dead 2. The film will be called Planet of the Dead, uh, hinting at a more global focus versus the singular Las Vegas setting of the original. 
Um, Snyder's gone on to reveal that the animated that an animated series slated for 2022 release will reveal the why and how of the zombie virus, and that the sequel will be a sci-fi action film that will go deeper into the concepts of time loops, portals, and doorways to other worlds that were introduced in Army of the Dead. So when we covered this before, and we mentioned that you know there was the time loop theory, apparently either he meant it to be that way, or Snyder's leaning heavy into it because it was the most interesting thing about the damn movie. Either way, he's going to play into it in the sequel um plan of the dead it currently has no release date but it's projected to air late in 2023 so i I honestly don't know how i feel about it it's (laughs) it sounds a little zombie movies to me are scariest when they are simple well i don't want to say simple but basic you know without adding so much sci-fi into it i don't know if i'm even putting it in the right criteria there's i don't know there's room for it maybe but i feel like that i'm like you i feel like they're better if they're simple but then like there's a meta narrative like that or the commentary that the you know director is putting in behind it like romero always did with all his movies there was always some kind of uh critique about the the culture that he was in at the time that he was throwing out there and i don't feel like the snyder's movie has any of that going on it's i mean it's just a big dumb action movie the first one is with you know possible sci-fi elements in the background maybe i i I still wonder if he like you know i mean he threw the time loop thing in there because he actually brought it up in one of the things so it's there's the seed planted but then like i don't i mean like i feel like a lot of people have like really delved into this outside the movie and, like, he's like, okay, that's a cool idea. I think I'm going to incorporate more of that into it. Like, I really feel like that's what's happening right now. Yeah, and you know how you and I feel about fan service. <laughs> We're like, a little bit goes a long way, but when potentially a film is being made entirely on fan service, we don't, as fans, we don't like fan service. I don't because I like when a director gives us his film and we're enjoying what they created. I don't want to see what fans created, you know, because there's just too many theories. It's basically almost like too much spoilers out there because, oh, the fans wanted this. Oh, the fans got this, you know. I well, don't fan, know. Yeah, fan service can go really wrong. Like, I mean, sometimes the fans don't really know what they want, and they they say they want one thing, and then whenever they get it, they, they hate it. There's been several movies that's went that route. Yeah. And and like you were talking about, singular visions tend to do better, like Rosemary's Baby. Uh, we, you know, we talked about The Shining with Stanley Kubrick. I mean, it was like, you know, having the, the director have his own vision without the any outside forces, tell you know, creatively steering him one way or the other tends to make more interesting movies as opposed to like, okay, uh, in this Star Wars movie, we don't like really how Kylo Ren is going this way, so how about you change this? And J.J. Abrams for the third film is like, sure, let's uh, totally negate everything going before it and try to patch together something, and then everybody hates it. So Yeah, I really feel like, well, and the thing too is you're already getting fan service by the movie being made already. Army of the Dead, people are like, oh my God, I remember that. You know, I've heard of that. There's no way you haven't unless you've been living under a rock. If you're any kind of horror <laughs> fan, you know what that is. So that's the first right. fan service there. That can go a long way. But fan service also can go wrong in the sense of, oh, my God, that's what I wanted, but that's not how I would have done it. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's... <laughs> Everyone's going to have yeah, their own a- idea of what they what they wanted, and then they're like, well, that's stupid. They should have done this, you know? 
Uh, yeah, and then uh, even if I mean you're you're risking like at least fifty percent of your audience just deciding that they didn't like the route you got to the you know the the solution that they wanted. So you're gonna you know have problems that way, and it usually it's higher. It's usually seventy five percent because. A lot, you know, the fan bases are pretty, they want one singular like direction it goes to, but then they got like a million different things they want it to do before it gets there. And you're never going to hit that. So nope. I don't know if it's really worth, worth it. Yeah. I mean, but let's not lie. We're going to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Totally going to watch, watch it. And... Hey guys, when it comes out, you watch it and you tell us what you think about it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um. Next uh, story from E! Online, uh, Megan Fox is set to play the devil's daughter uh, in an upcoming thriller titled Johnny and Clyde, uh, a Ugh. loose retelling of the story of infamous robbers and serial killers Bonnie and Clyde. The film will reportedly switch from a crime thriller to a balls-to-the-wall, quote-unquote, supernatural slasher when the title characters try to break into Alana's, which is Megan Fox's character's casino. Um, no release date is currently set for the film, but it assumed it it's assumed it will be late in 2022 or this year before it comes out. Um, I know when I originally sent this to you that I said it was just going to be like a thriller or just a casino heist, but when I reread it, like it does mention that you're going to switch to supernatural, so it is going to have that element to it. Do you um, think she's really getting into like the horror genre? <laughs> In her life and in I, I was, art, I was getting ready to say I put at the end of this news article on, on that recently she got engaged to Machine Gun Kelly, and reportedly they drank each other's blood after the proposal. So, yeah, I think she's uh, I think she's taking her character from Jennifer's body and yeah. like basically becoming that in real life. Oh my god, I was I was that's that's what I first thought about that because has she been any other horror films aside from uh, Jennifer's she, body? She was recently in the Netflix uh, limited series uh, about vampires, and I can't oh remember my the name God. of it now. But she was like one of the head vampires in in, in the film, you know. So yeah, she's she, and and she's been in. Uh, uh, there was one film that's pseudo horror. It's it depends on how like squeamish you are. Like she, uh, her husband is killed, and she wakes up like chained to his or like handcuffed to his body, and like she's got to basically drag her husband's corpse behind her as she's trying to like escape or whatever from wherever she's at and like and that movie's actually getting pretty good ratings on uh like netflix and stuff like that i would i would die i would die (laughs) in that case uh going after the 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 bigger ones is not going to be your favorite (laughs) who knew that being a chubby chaser would be the death of me Well, get this. I just recently read, like, as of last night, honestly, before we we started recording this, that not only did they drink, you know, each other's blood, supposedly, but Machine Gun Kelly, uh, the and I don't know if this applies to him because he only mentioned it applying to her, which you know, you know, that's not equality, folks. Mm. But he, the ring that he gave uh, uh, Megan Fox is uh, set up in such a way that if she tries to remove it. It's got some kind of design on the inside of it that if you try to pull it off, it actually cuts your skin. <laughs> it's it's like a it's like some kind of like torture device. If you like try to remove it, it like it uh, actually cuts and damages the skin. Megan Fox, don't get fat. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> don't have bad days. Don't eat salt and vinegar chips, girl. <laughs> don't uh don't eat uh pizza or any kind of salty thing that kind of Yeah, don't you swell have up. a bad yeah. day <laughs> whatsoever. No. Cuz that's gonna oh my what look at I didn't want to take my ring off either at first okay I just thought you didn't do that but then one day I ate salt and vinegar chips jka I got fat um I gained weight and I still wasn't taking my ring off and when I finally did I have photos of it I just had skin like just like cracking around where my ring was at and I was like oh my god and I had to spend a few months of not wearing my ring Holy, she's so super skinny though. She's not gonna, she can, she can afford to gain a few pounds. I, I hope, I hope they've got that size to where it doesn't do that. But I mean, I don't know who would do that to begin with. Maybe, maybe she's into the, you know, maybe she's a masochist. Maybe that's their thing. I don't know. Oh you know, my God. She's... I want to talk real quick about something I'm super jealous about and it has to do with rings. It's not off topic, but I sent you uh Nicholas Cage's wife's ring. And oh, it's yeah. hard to see yeah. because there's no good photos of it. But she got black gold <laughs> with a black diamond. And I was like, oh, God. It's hard to see people living your dream, you know? <laughs> I didn't even know black gold was a thing. I just like that he's totally I mean he he's almost the point that I mean he he's not a Keanu like a super nice guy that you know uh is really humble and all that. He he's more he's kind of but like he's living the you know the persona that everybody assumes it that he has anyways. He's just he doesn't give a fuck. He just does what he wants and uh he's I mean the amount of money that it says he spent on his bride to be I mean is ungodly. It's like over 22 million or something at this point. Yeah, and it was one of those, I guess, I don't I don't know why they were living, well, I don't know. They they were dating, but they were living separately. She was in Japan, he was in America, and he's like, "Look, I'm tired of living apart, so let's just get married." <laughs> so romantic. But, and she was like, and she sent him information. She was like, "Oh, I want I want black gold and I want a black diamond." And he's like, "I found it and made it happen." I was like, "Well, you get it, girl. That's all I yeah. can say. Yeah, fucking little twenty-two-year-old <laughs> whore of Babylon. <laughs> she's devil magic to trap that one. Actually, she's freaking gorgeous, and he's old. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I guess that's where all the money comes from. I mean, comes into the equation because money does that. I mean, age is not a factor whenever you've got all that money. Just look at how Hugh Hefner lived his life at oh the my end. God, gross. <laughs> all right, let's uh, move on. <laughs> Uh, another story from Cinema Blend. Uh, Stephen King is working with Hulu again to bring about an, an, an adaptation of the short story, The Boogeyman. The story, featured as an anthology in the Night Shift series, or a Night Shift novel, is about a man who believes his three kids were murdered by the Boogeyman, and, and, and it's told in a series of flashbacks as he's talking to a psychiatrist. Um, and, of course, there's a twist to it before it gets to the end. Uh, Hulu has previously worked with King to bring about an uh, adaptations of the novel 112263 uh, about the Kennedy assassination, which is really good sci-fi type story. 
uh, and the series is good as well. And the canceled uh, two season series Castle Rock, which there was elements I did enjoy about both or both seasons Castle Rock. Although I felt like it, I don't know. They 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 tried to do their own spin in different places, and it didn't always work. But I I appreciated them trying to link all these you know stories together like they really are in his, his novels. Um, production on the Boogeyman is set to start uh, soon in 2022 with a projected release of 2023. So uh, how do you feel about this? Another Stephen King Hulu collaboration here. I'm terrified of Stephen King. <laughs> Like he, it's a, it's called a short film, right? Or is it a series uh, they, of short films? Say, I'm, uh, the Boogeyman is going to be like a legit movie because okay. they, I mean, it's based on a short story, but I mean, that's, they, those always work out great because I mean, you can expand upon things. I mean, his best stuff is like that. I mean, the Shawshank Redemption was a short story and it's one of his best rated you know, store, I mean, movies out there. So, okay. I heard short story and I was thinking series. I don't know why my brain went to that, but that, that terrified me. I, I don't think he does well with series. However, short stories. Yes. I agree with you. That can be expanded upon. And I think he has the brain for that. And depending on how many people have actually, I have not heard of this one. So now I want to go check it out and see what he does with it. That would be fun. Because, you know, you get those short stories and you're like, that was so good, but I needed more. <laughs> this is that opportunity. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. So actually, I'm I'm somewhat excited for that. Yeah, I mean, I hope it really turns out well. I mean, I was surprised at how well they did with 112263 because that is a very complicated uh, novel. I mean, it's a really good read, but, I mean, they, they did a good job. They, they missed, I mean, they had to leave some things out. You always have to. And I mean, it's, it's, a, and of course it's a series, so it did help. I mean, we've always said this, I mean, with his longer form novels, if you don't do it in a series, you might as well not do it at all because yeah. you're going to be missing so many things, you know, that, I mean, uh, that it's just not or like needful things. I mean, they cut out so much, the movie, they made a shitty movie. So, yeah. um, uh, so even though they had to leave some things out and they just changed some things, I thought that it worked overall. So, um, I, I'm, but with this being based on a short story, I mean, like stand by me was like, is a really good, you know, movie by, based on one of his stories. And it was a short story and it turned out into a pretty good movie as well. So yeah. I think that that will work. It's one of those classics. It's um, actually one of those classics that I need to see fully. See. You've never watched stand by me. Not in its full. <laughs> Oh no! You picked okay, a horrible yeah, co-host. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not really. It's not a horror movie. It's a yes. slice of life slash. You know, but it, it but it works. I mean, and it's oh, so it's got, for me, you mean absolute snooze fest? No, I'm, well, I mean, did you like the Goonies? It kind of. Okay, there's a lot well, of adventure in Goonies. Yeah, there, well, this is kind of an adventure. To, this is kind of like there's there's elements even like the Sandlot. I don't know if you ever watched the Sandlot. Yeah, but I like, like. It, it, it's it. It's closer to the Sandlot, if anything. I mean, it, it, it's like you know. Boo. <laughs> I have to watch it though. There's no excuse. Uh, it's one of those films that you hear people talk about nonstop. They say amazing things about it. I don't think I've ever heard one bad thing about Stand by Me. 
all I mean, it's it's based around child actors, but they got the best child actors out there. I mean, Jerry O'Connell, if you want to argue if anybody's weak in the movie, it would be him. But, I mean, even he did great. And, you know, he, he grew up to be a great actor. Yeah. I mean, a pretty good actor anyway. So, um, but, uh, you know, uh, River Phoenix, you know, died before his time. But, I mean, he was amazing in it. Uh, you know, of course, you have uh, uh, Corey Feldman. I mean, one of the best child actors ever. I mean, the the kid, I mean, did amazing things at, I mean, such a young age. You really believed his acting in every movie he did. So. No, they were good younger actors for sure. <laughs> and then, um, oh, I can't remember his, the, the the guy's last name, but he was on Star Trek. Will Wheaton. Wheaton. Yeah, Will Wheaton. Good he, God. He they had still... like a, I don't think they knew at the time they were going to have an all-star cast. <laughs> No, and that's the thing they and they, and it's all directed by Rob Reiner, who did like The Princess Bride and you know other films like that. So I mean, they it was a good pedigree for a movie. I like it. Okay, okay, okay. I'll check it out. Maybe. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> from Screen Rant, and I think you sent this to me. Uh, Michael Dordry, the director of uh, Trick or Treat and Krampus, took to Twitter before the 4K release of the Naughty Cut of Krampus to show some of the best reactions, quote unquote, best. Uh, to his original release of of Krampus. Um, A couple of the, uh, and he went through and just highlighted a bunch of them, but a couple of my favorites were uh, just saw the trailer for Krampus. All I'm saying is y'all need Jesus. Peace sign praying hands emoji. (laughs) Wait, was this like on Twitter? (laughs) Yeah. yeah, Oh my God. And uh, the and then the next one that said, uh, I don't appreciate all this Krampus commercials when all I'm trying to do is listen to One Direction. <laughs> that person needs Jesus, honestly. <laughs> that person does need Jesus, but uh, but he went through. There was just a bunch of them like that. It was just like people that like just kept because I guess at the time Universal really laid heavy. I mean, I remember the commercial quite a bit in it myself, even this many years later. But they just were spamming that commercial for that movie left and right to kind of drum up, you know, some kind of uh, excitement for the movie. And I guess like people were complaining about it, so uh, Michael just went to the twitter and like he saved all of them and like he just blasted them out right before the the new release kind of say here's where we were and here's where we're at now so oh my (laughs) so people were complaining i get that's gonna happen i'm why am i even surprised at this point people are gonna complain (laughs) before they even have anything to complain about i bet you too i bet you i mean because like i'll be honest i didn't really know what krampus was until recent not recently recently but more recently than well, not. Some of the people were complaining. It's like Christmas films shouldn't be dark and, 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 and stuff like that. That was some of the complaints. It's like, why are you pushing a horror film at Christmas? It's not the time of year for that or something like that. And as we've discussed, that's, that's a new way of thinking. That's not always been the way that people viewed Christmas. So. Yeah, absolutely. Christmas used to- we're not going to get into the history of Christmas. I am going to say, though, that these are probably the same people that are like, I don't let little Timothy watch Nightmare Before Christmas. That's too scary. There was some that compared it to Gremlins and said that both films were inappropriate for children. I believe that was some of the other things that I saw. Fucking, oh, my God. <laughs> Lighten up, people. And you know what? Like, I get it. If you don't want horror in your Christmas, just don't watch it. <laughs> let people yeah. enjoy things i mean there are the other people out there that, that don't like listening to mariah carey on repeat yeah holidays Just oh my god let, let us have our, our time <laughs> they're like you had your time it was halloween 
<laughs> yeah, it's like you keep your spookiness to that one season that we allow you that time. So shut up. Also, those are the same people that want Halloween like on the last Saturday of, you know, of October. And I'm like, no, no, you let that kid walk until 11 p.m. on a Monday night and fucking get doped up on candy so that next day at school they are like some fucking crackhead coming down from a high. Fucking, it's tradition, Brenda. <laughs> well, it's it's like around here. I mean, I don't know if it's as much out at your way, but I assume it is. Like the churches fight it left and right whenever it falls on any, uh, like Wednesdays or Sundays. Oh like they're God. like, nope, not going to be a part of it. And even after they argue against it that way and have it moved to the, like either the Saturday or the Thursday or whatever day they're trying to move it to, they still do trunk or treat so that they can keep the kids from even doing it to begin with. So I'm just like, what is your problem? I mean, like this is like, you don't want them to enjoy the holiday. Cause it's, you know, the satanic panic is still alive and well, you know, at least in our part of the country. And I don't know, it, it, it gets on my nerves so bad. Yeah. I think, um, out here, it's not like that. It's like, just fucking let them do whatever, you know? So it's cool, but like the churches are like that. They're like, okay, no, um, we don't want to do that. And and there could be people handing bad stuff. I mean, they're definitely using fear, you know. Uh, they could be handing your kids bad stuff. You don't know what's in there, so come to the church and we'll, uh, you know, at our trunk or treat and our harvest festival, and we'll make sure we give you safe candy, which is usually the boring candy, and you know. <laughs> I'm going to throw this out there, folks. I consider myself a Christian. I think trunk or treat is one of the biggest kicks in the ass pieces of crap that was ever invented by churches in the modern era. I know, modern era. I know there's a lot of churches, uh, things the church has done over history that's kind of, you know, subsumed and, and destroyed like, you know, quote unquote pagan rituals. But I, there's nothing, as a kid that grew up in the 80s before trunk or treat was really a mainstay in this area, like there's nothing that pisses me off more than seeing the rise of that and how it's like totally in my mind change the holiday like it's like we got to make it all safe and there can be no fear and yeah you know, i mean not that there was a huge amount anyways but it was the excitement of the night that always that 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 i enjoyed i didn't care i was never a big candy fan whenever i was a kid i mean that's a shocker i know most kids are but i would get home and i'd you know i'd eat some of it but then you know it was like let me watch whatever you know was on tv you know like the garfield halloween special the disney's trick-or-treat you know and 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 that that was that was what i enjoyed but it was the the thrill of like what are we going to see like who's going to be dressed up as a scarecrow on the porch and, yeah you know kind of jump out at me it was the excitement of the night that you didn't get any other time of the year and now it's just totally neutered it's like let's go to the local church and you know a bunch of people be standing in a semi-circle and give you candy it's like like a cult whoop, i can yeah i mean <laughs> it, it's so i hate it so much i really do i think but, my opinion of trunk or treat i think it's a nice little side piece you know it's like another way of getting extra candy and i think it's good for like little little kids although i really think i mean we started them young you know but i think that it is for like lazy parents or maybe parents that can't do it on certain nights um, because there's always that too, you know, that when they have all these other opportunities, because I know our baseball league has it. Uh, sometimes the mall has something. Um, the churches have something. Every, uh, the, the police department has something. I think that on top of getting candy on Halloween, mom, the cops are having, you know, and the single mom's like, oh yeah, dude, I'm gonna go look some hot cops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know it, so there's this opportunity to get more candy I think that's kind of cool so I mean I do say hey have your little side things but don't try to change the whole 
holiday itself. That's like you trying to have your own Christmas celebration. You know what I'm saying? Well, don't do something how you normally do it. We're going to have a celebration here. And I know actually there are churches that do that. Yeah, there's there's whole segments of them. That, oh, yeah. Like, I mean, are completely trying to, like, if you put up a tree, they the pagan, you know, connections there that's totally against their thing. And it's just like, I, I don't know. I mean, it. I, I get what you're saying, and but we had that locally. Like, we went to, like, local, like, um, mom and pop, like, convenience stores. Like, they were handing out just, like, there was no, like, Halloween trappings at all. It was just, like, here's your can of pop and, like, a candy bar. Wow. Know? Like, we, we had elements to that, you know. Um, but uh, but then you got to go to individual houses and actually experience the, the direct decorations and, yeah. and all the effort that people put in. And, like, you get none of that. They don't even, like, decorate a lot of these trunk or treats. I mean, they, they might be dressed up in, like, family-friendly outfits, you know, for whatever that's, which is, you yeah. know, Marvel, uh, DC. I'm just yeah, but, I mean, they're, they're, they totally remove anything from the holiday that is, like, you know, scary, quote-unquote. Yeah. But, I don't know, ran enough, enough about that. Yeah. That's a bit of a tangent. Whatever. We have our feelings, okay? <laughs> uh, from Slash Film, uh, Thora Birch has left the Tim Burton live-action Adams Family series Wednesday. And uh, she, uh, the actress left uh, or after she had filmed the bulk of the scenes for her series regular character, Tamara Novak, because of an unexpected family emergency. Oh, no. Uh, her... Yeah, her part will not be recast, but the producers will be using another character to complete the narrative arc the character would have contributed to. So I don't know how this is going to really work out. Uh, hopefully it's not so jarring that it, it – I mean, I don't know how I'm going to feel about this series anyways, to be honest. I got mm -hmm. I mean, it's Tim Burton, but Tim Burton's not been the greatest in recent years, uh, at least not the Tim Burton that we grew yeah. up with and loved. And I don't know. and. There's, I mean, there's already like, you know, hints that they might be trying to like, you know, work more stuff in about LGBT and all that. Not that's bad, but like, you know, some of that, that can be handled like with, it can be handled well and be just like part of the narrative or it can be like, like we said with uh, Chaos or Chilling Adventures Sabrina where they have like a narrative arc that destroys the flow of the show just to put that in there. So I'm just yeah. kind of... So having this extra little layer on top of it where you have an established arc, you want it with a certain character and then have to remove them to no fault of anybody. I mean, you know, if there's a family emergency for whatever, they didn't elaborate, you know, and that's her privacy and her right. But I mean, for whatever, I mean, you know, if, if you take that character out after she started, you know, going down a certain path or setting something up to have another character kind of move in there, that takes really deft, deft hands to kind of work that and massage that, you know, plot without that to get it to where it doesn't seem like you just, you know, basically did what they did, just patched it together. Yeah, I wonder what, like, what kind of family emergency do you have? You know, that... The only thing... I feel like somebody in her family got really sick. That's my assumption, but I don't, you know, I have nothing to base that off of, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's really not a lot of news about it. Interesting. Um, and, and that was the only thing that I saw was just, you know, relative to that. So it just, I was just wanting to make sure, you know, that I got that out there. You know, I thought it was interesting and we're all looking forward to seeing how the series pans out. But yeah. It's, I feel like she has to be somewhat of an important character if 
they're not just like killing her off or having her disappear. They're completing her story arc. She had something she had to finish. Yeah, and and so that yeah, they're they're not. I mean, to my knowledge, they're not just like okay, you know, that character's you know suddenly died or you know or whatever from something. You know, they patch together and then they move on. Like they they've kind of like let that let that one kind of complete whatever it was going to do kind of go to the side and then like they're moving the other character in to finish you know whatever she started so it i mean and and to my understanding thor birch was playing a very pivotal part at least as far as like uh, you know establishing you know kind of the world building that they're wanting to go on that they want set in it i want to go back to tim burton real quick because okay. i'm i have faith in him handling this Pretty creatively, creatively, like he's, I think he can handle it. However, what I want to know is you had mentioned that in recent years, his films haven't been like they, like we're used to them being. And Tim Burton always has a muse in the form of a woman. And for the longest time, we know it was his baby mama. Yep. Helena Bonham Carter. Yes. Uh, She really steered like the creative vision for a good long time. And, and a lot of the stuff during that time period, I mean, I, I thought was really good, like the corpse bride and, you know, some others, I mean, um, sleepy hollow, I think was in that time period. I yep. mean, that, that was kind of a resurgence of the Tim Burton that everybody liked. Yeah. Sweeney Todd. I mean, there's, Oh yeah, for sure. Okay. And then now as of recent, the rumors, most it's mostly rumors, but it's pretty obvious if for the past few years, he's been seen, I think it's Ava green is her name. And she was from oh, yes. Penny Dreadful, the original series, which and I thought she was good in. She's really good in that, and and she, she was also, also in Dark Shadows. Uh, what's that? Dark Shadows. That was a Tim Burton film. Yes, that was a, and, and I feel like it was she the during that time period when he made Dark Shadows because that was kind of a very that was the start of the the slip in my opinion. I don't, I don't know if they were dating at the time. Helena Bonham Carter. I know she's still going to be in some of his films. Um, maybe. But she was in Dark Shadows, and I don't know when they split up. Because that, that was back in 2012. So I don't think they I think he was still with Helena Bonham Carter. Okay. Which is interesting. Um, but uh, Eva Green was also in the sequel to 300, and I thought she did pretty good in that role, too. Yes. So, I mean, she's, she, she's, she's a good, a good actress. actress, but I wonder if she's just not the muse. She's just a younger version of, of a of a character he puts in his films, but Helena Bonham Carter was she definitely had a darker mind. I, yeah, I can see that. I mean, you know, because I mean, she, I mean, even the like the the just the, the energy and uh, and and I just recently found this out watching the Harry Potter, you know, twentieth uh, or whatever the anniversary reunion they did on HBO Max that. A lot of her lines in that movie when she's playing uh, Bellatrix were uh, ad-libbed. So, I mean, she brought like that, even though like that, I mean, which was one of the darkest characters in the series, like she brought that to the role herself. So I could see what you're talking about. Yeah. Um. God, I, I'm, I was just trying to find out when they had broken up, but it wasn't long after Dark Shadows. Maybe the, they were having 
they were on the outs during that time, and that's what maybe it because it wasn't terrible. I don't remember hating it, but it was just like it was the most like I mean, you could tell that it was like the most superficial of his films uh, in, yeah. in recent memory. It was like it was just I mean, he he was taking the I mean, of course, it was based on an IP that he didn't originally start with. Yeah, and and I feel like some of his worst movies are like that. Willy Wonka, for instance. Yeah. I mean, like anytime he takes an IP that's not creatively something he come up with, and maybe that's the problem maybe it's like and that's what makes me worry about this because the adams family even though that's something that i'm sure that he grew up and loved because you know being a goth emo kid all of his life i mean he really you know probably latched to that yeah but it's like since he didn't creatively come up with it himself i feel like i mean because you think about um alice in wonderland i didn't really care for that all that much his interpretation visually uh, it was dark- amazing yeah, well, but he's all—he's a visual, you he know. Vis- yeah, director. that's true. I mean, he's really, so I mean, but then you get Dark Shadows. You get, I mean, you know, the, and like Sweeney Todd is like based on something, but I mean, he there—it's—it's it's more like, um, I mean, where it's more like a play setting. It's like there's a lot more he can do with that and kind of move into that space. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's part of it. Hmm. I, you know, who who knows? But we'll see with this. You know, this new. Uh, show if uh, like he's able to take something that's an established property kind of like how we're really looking to see how rob zombie does with the monsters because it's a similar thing it's like they've uh, each yeah. individually got their own style and it doesn't necessarily i mean tim burton's style fits you know the adams family way better than <laughs> rob zombies fits the monsters because <laughs> I, I, I yeah swear, if he introduces any of the redneck shit i mean, uh. I, I, I appreciate it, but don't do it, Rob. Do 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 the property right. You know, go go against the grain and don't put like an Otis type character somewhere in there. Oh, look, it's our cousin Otis that walked in off the street, and it's like I'm the one that brings Christmas candy. It's like I don't want to see that. Don't want to hear it. Don't do it. I, Sh- <laughs> Sherry Moon Zombie is a gorgeous character or a gorgeous creature in general, but she does not fit her character. <laughs> that Lily, wig yeah. they put on her. I mean, there's. I feel like there's so many raven-haired beauties out there that could have filled that role so uh, well. Eva Green, Eva Green. Yeah, <laughs> we would go that route. For, she would have been a great Lily Monster, honestly. One hundred percent. Like, oh my god, it's like, and I don't want to be disrespectful because I don't have any issues with Sherry Moon Zombie, you know, but she she does have moments where she can act. I mean, appropriate to the role that they give her. I, I love Lords of Salem and it's her vehicle. She is the one that drives that movie. Yeah. But you know, Lily Munster, I don't see it. I just don't. And it's like, it, it's the fan base is so split. Cause whenever you go onto his Twitter, it's like, no, there's no in between. There's no like, okay, let's give it a chance and see how this goes. It's like, Oh my God, this is a fucking horrible idea. And oh my God, Cherry Moon Zombie, you're so gorgeous. You make the perfect Lily. And it's like, bitch, you haven't seen anything. Like, you don't know yet. <laughs> Calm down. Yeah. Well, we'll like for both of these things, we'll just have to, you know, wait and see how things pan out. And, and hopefully, hopefully they're both amazing. And that gives us something else to, you know, I mean, look back on. It's like that's a new, you know, interpretation, the, 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 you know, like a new classic, as it were. But, you know, it's just time will tell. Yeah. Um, um, oh, God. Sorry. I wasn't even going to say cool. anything. I don't know why I said, um, 
Uh, Netflix has released the trailer for the newest edition. Speaking of redoing things, uh, has released the trailer for the newest edition of the Texas Chainsaw films titled Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, Ooh, right original. original yeah. Uh, which, speaking of that short tangent here, the new Scream movie uh, has a meta commentary about requels, as they call it, which are oh. reboots slash sequels. And I feel like that. And even though it is one, it does a good job of kind of making fun of the, you know, just like how the original made fun of the slasher formula. Yeah. Like, you know, it's funny because, you know, we're getting this new movie uh, from Universal and Netflix. Um, But anyways, the newest movie, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, uh, seems to return to the plot of the original uh, when a group of teenage friends accidentally disturbed the home of classic serial killer slash slash slasher, uh, Leatherface, uh, the trailer hints at a darker tone to the film and ends with Leatherface admiring the recently obtained face of one of his victims. Yeah. Yeah, he's kind of like looking up into the sunlight and he's got the the fa- the the ma- the like the ripped off face like in front of him and he's kind of holding it in his hands like he's <laughs> uh, like a work of art or something. Uh, the film releases February 18th, so it's coming up pretty shortly. And I don't know how to feel about this one because I feel like outside of the first one, uh, the first one was a classic. It's one of the, the best gritty horror films out there. Oh, I mean, yeah. it actually filmed, it feels like it was a snuff film, honestly. It was like so well done. And the funny thing is, people don't realize it doesn't have an ounce of blood really in the whole movie. Like, they, I never they realized that. All the, yeah, but it's so well done in that way. The second film was just balls to the wall, like crazy action stuff, but it works. I mean, it was like, it's a totally different film. It's just, and when you got Chop Top, which is played by Bill Mosley, you know, Otis, uh, who went on to play Otis and the Rob Zombie films, which I really feel like Texas Chainsaw 2 established all of Rob Zombie's like, like aesthetics. Like if you want to boil down like any of his, like the, his filmmaking, like vision, it's Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, the, the the original sequel. Like, that's basically, he took all, every one of his films is based upon that, that setup. And then after that, they just got weirder. Like, they just were kind of lame. Like, I didn't really care for any of the Arlie Ermey uh, slash, uh, who was it, Jessica Bill like, re- redos that they did, like, about 10 years ago. Um Texas Chainsaw Three with Matthew McConaughey was weird, like you know, I, it and it had really bad acting from him, and I believe it was Renee Zellweger was in that one. Uh, not that I was the biggest fan of her to begin with, but yeah. like it's Matthew McConaughey's a great actor, and like he's awful in that movie. So I don't know how this new movie is going to be. Like I mean, you know, I, I'm outside of the first two, I don't really care about the series. Well, I'm personally. looking at the director. Um... David Blue Garcia, and not really known for a lot. He had some film called Bloodfest, um, and it's about a, it's about a horror film festival. So that could be actually pretty cool. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. It looks like an indie film to me. That was from 2018, and then he has the most. The one he's most known for, also from 2018, um, is called Tejano, and it's about. Hmm. I guess some uh, some Texas farmhand that um, breaks his own arm to smuggle a cast made of cocaine across the Mexican border. <laughs> I mean, that, that's just part of, I didn't read the whole thing, but that's kind of just the gist right there. Okay. Uh, also looks to be like an indie film. I mean, 
no. That's that's kind of scary because they're they're putting a the re like if they're hoping to launch like a whole new series off of this, they're putting a lot of uh, yeah. in the hands of somebody who's not really established. Yeah. And that's the thing is like I know my own people, aka Hispanics, and they're very deep when they come to their films. Very, very, very deep. Um, which could be good for Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, but for our, like I say, our own films, like I'm making films, for their own films, it's almost too deep. It's almost like, okay, bro, like you took this way too seriously. <laughs> um, so I don't know. I honestly, I want, I want to know what this blood fest was like. You should watch it because that's right up your alley. <laughs> And I'll, then I'll you try to check it out. Yeah, like and then you can make. I need to catch up on Shutter. Yeah, and then um, I don't know. I, I I think I think it could work for Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I mean, have we ever really dove super deep into Leatherface? No, and that's kind of. I mean, that's kind of the hint. Well, I think they tried to give him a backstory in one of the films. Like uh, there was, they tried to restart it. I feel like a few years back, and they tried to like go back to his childhood, which is a little much. And I feel like if they if they did it in this way where they don't necessarily give him an origin story, but then they kind of like just delve deeper into like him as like, you know, just like his his psychosis and stuff like that. Maybe that would work. I mean, just not like a like redemption or anything, but. Yeah, well, I mean, the older movies never really focused on him. He was always the boogeyman that literally came out of the meat closet in the film and, yeah. like, you know, attacked and then, like, hung him on hooks. It was, like, his cousin who ran the grocery store and grandpa and, and everybody, and, and like, his his cousin who was the weird uh, or brother or whatever. I don't know how that, they're probably all, they're inbred anyway, so it don't really matter. But, uh, like, his, his one that was the hitchhiker, um, and and that's a funny thing that that is an interesting thing about this new film, and it goes back to the requel thing that they make fun of and scream. The the original final girl is going to be that was in the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre is going to make an appearance in this, playing the same character. Yeah. That she- played in the first film hmm. and and she's and it, it hints back to how like the trauma that when she first experienced like uh, leatherface's cousin who was the hitchhiker that was cutting himself and all that like it brings up some of those in flashbacks so we'll kind of see you know how what, what route they go with her because she was one of the i want to say she was one of the first final girls i mean honestly because uh, chainsaw came out in 74 uh, Jamie Lee Curtis was a final girl in 78. So she was probably the first final girl, like of the slasher film yeah. series. Wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me. Um, was Texas Chainsaw Massacre, was that based loosely off of, and I don't know you, I would be so surprised if you never heard of this family, but the bloody benders. I have heard of the bloody benders. I don't know that it was necessarily based off them because I know they were like Midwest, like I don't I want to say like Iowa or, you know, like one of those Midwest regions. Yeah, they basically ran uh, like a motel or something like that. Yeah, and, and, and it was very similar. I mean, it could have, he very well could have read about them because they basically said that it was like a, it was a store. It was a general store yeah. that also had like a barber shop or pseudo barber shop in the back. And that's how they would kill them. They had a trap door underneath the barber shop section. Sweeney totted them basically. Yep. They sliced their throat and then they would dump them down in the, in the basement. And uh, the, an interesting fact about that, which is a complete tangent, but um, the little house on the prairies author, 
uh, which it was a, a woman. A lot of people might not know that, but like uh, she, her father was actually uh, almost taken by the the bloody benders because he stopped by their their store on the way to uh, on one of his travels, and he decided at the last second there was something off about the place, and he left, and he would have been one of their because the, he was by himself. Yeah, he was a guy. That's who they usually went for, and that's I mean, and he and he very well could have had his life you know taken by them. So. Holy shit. Yeah, I'm just wondering, like, if you're if if this guy, I think David Blue is what I said his name was, if he's going to go do any kind of deep dive, because I think it's well known if you listen to any kind of or read about any actual serial killer, they had a fucked up family life always, you know? Oh, yeah. And it doesn't give them any kind of redemption whatsoever. You 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 don't have to be like your family, you know? But is well, just, I mean, and a lot of um, a lot of them had mental issues too. A lot of them were born, you know, with with problems. Well, Leatherface, in particular, for any of the horror fans that listen to this, scream at us was definitely based on Ed Gein. That was that. Yes, Ed Gein, like probably was the the seed for like so many different uh, slashers of the time period. I mean, he was, or, or you know, or, or pseudo slashers because Psycho. You know, Norman Bates was was Ed Gein because he had a whole thing about his mother and how and you know and that's where you was talking about like the the their families messed him up because his mother was ultra religious. She was all the time talk, telling him about how you know she didn't want him when he painted Jezebels any horrors, yeah, you God. know. And so, like he originally started out like and and they hinted this in Texas Chainsaw Massacre the original because you hear on and that's one of the things I love about it like the story is told in the background. Like when the kids are listening to the radio, it talks about how there's been bodies that have been taken from the local cemetery. Well, that's how Ed Gein started. He he was he was a very quiet guy. He didn't you know uh, he, he didn't go out there and start killing people like you know right off the bat. He started going to the cemeteries and patching together like the his, these women basically uh, from those parts and he, like he would craft like you know these skin masks and all that and that's where Leatherface that that version of him skewed off. That's where Leatherface gets that from. Yeah. And then eventually he he started moving toward you know, living women. And that's kind of how they caught him at that point. But I mean, it started off with uh, stealing the bodies of the dead and that's where, and that's what they did in Texas chainsaw. So he's got a lot of Ed Gein in his backstory, but the bloody benders would definitely fit for his extended family for sure. Hmm. I don't know. I, 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 I'm, I guess cautiously optimistic (laughs) We're just going to have to see how it goes. It's definitely something that's going to be watched, whether by me and the family or definitely the kids alone. Um, <laughs> so one way or another, I'm going to have some input. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll watch it. I'll see how it is. I just hope that they, I mean, I just feel like that story was just so well done in the original just because it's so gritty. It looks like it was filmed by like documentary cameras and and you will never get that feeling again with anything. They yeah. They put they can put the filters on there, but digital film and is, I mean, now if somebody want to go the route of doing a Tarantino and they get like an original camera from the era, they do like, you know, like they, and, and they get like film that's kind of like aged to where it like, you know, then, then you could probably do it justice, but that's, that's a lot of effort for maybe not a lot of payoff. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you're right. Well, it'll never have that great. Look at a movie I actually seen. Um, I, it's always so like the end, the final scene. 
of Texas Chainsaw Massacre is the fucking best. Are you talking about where he's like waving the uh, saw in the air and just like, you know, revving it up? Is that the scene you're talking about? I'm thinking or? about, well, and, and, and tell me if I'm wrong, but I thought it was where you get like the first real glimpse. Like as, uh, it's like, oh, that's this is the only photo of him. So one of the films did that. I want. I'm, I almost want to say it was the um, the remake. It was probably the remake because in the original, the Black Beauty drives up. That's where the the black driver hops out, and it's one. I I don't know. It's one of the funniest scenes, but it's it's also to me because and that's where I think that the original. I mean, there was a lot of black humor that a lot of people don't give credit to the in the, in, in the original Texas Chainsaw. But as soon as he he stops to help the final girl, and he and he hops out to kind of help her, and then as soon as Leatherface comes running up with a chainsaw, he does the only thing that he knows what to do, and it's the one time in movie history where the black man doesn't get killed. Uh-uh. He just books it. He, oh, he yeah. starts running and he leaves the truck and everything behind. He's like, fuck this. Like, nah, bitch, you on your own. <laughs> and then she like escapes uh after that, like runs down the road, hops in the back of a pickup truck, and like she's cackling like crazily, like she's been traumatized by it. And then it just it zooms back or it goes back to Leatherface and he's like left on the road, like way behind her, and he's just like, you know, he's got his chainsaw raised up in the air, kinda like triumphantly and like, yeah. you know, like revving it up, and that's kinda how the movie ends. And so No, sir, it was you were not triumphant, okay? There was still someone <laughs> alive and they're going to tell their story. <laughs> Well, she's coming back, so maybe he'll get his revenge on her in the new <laughs> film. So that's that's usually how these things go. Yeah. If you bring the final girl back, nine times out of ten, she dies. The only person who has ever escaped that is Sidney Prescott at the Scream movie. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what? Let me go back to the place where I was super traumatized because I can't live my life. I have to go back to where... <laughs> And relive year, these memories. Every few years, I have to go back, and and every few years, somebody in a, in a mask is going to try to kill me. I'm going to make sure he's dead. Oh my god! <laughs> Holy shit! Um, also due out in February the 25th to be exact, and I'm looking really forward to this because this could go either of two ways. It could be really bad or really good. It's the horror comedy film Studio 666, oh, no. uh, featuring the Foo Fighters and written by Dave Grohl himself. Oh man, this is actually going to be really good. The plot of the movie revolves around the band moving into an Encino mansion with a grisly history in order to be inspired and record their much anticipated 10th album. Things go south when Dave is possessed by a demonic force and he begins killing his bandmates in in increasingly gruesome ways. What the hell, dude? Did he have a nightmare? I don't know. It's like, I guess he was like, it probably was. He was probably wanting to make that 10th album or or like, or maybe it was like he's had an experience in the past where he's like been, you know, really pressured by the, either the studio or the fans to make a new album. Like his anxiety went through the roof and like he had a dream at night. It's like, what if we just went into this like haunted place or whatever and it was chased by like demonic spirits or something like that. And, you know, and of course he's got like this relationship with Tenacious D where he plays the devil and a lot of their stuff anyways. So I think that's pretty humorous that he's like, all right, I'm going to go full board in this demonic thing. Let's just do it. Um, I feel like they, <laughs> because remember we talked about it during legend, like his uh, version of the devil in, in uh, that video for Tenacious D was based upon yes. uh, legend. Oh my God. Okay. Which was, by the way, Legend is one of our lost podcasts. 
You may never get to hear that, folks. Sorry to sorry to say that. Uh, and that was a good one too. That was yeah, actually. There was a lot of behind-the-scenes information on that one. Uh, there might have been a lot of birds killed. That's all I'll say. We so. have Reverend's audio. It's La Urena's that went bye-bye, which, I mean, for what it's worth, I mean, we probably should just play your audio. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm, it's I the mean, bulk was, of the information. That probably, I mean, just to say that, you know, I put a disclaimer on it and say this is, uh, you know, missing the, the you know, audio, but you kind of get the gist of what was going on. That might be the way to do it just so it's not completely just, you know, trashed. I don't know. Okay. So I'm very curious because Foo Fighters does have 10 albums. Their most recent one came out in 2021. Allegedly it's called Medicine at Midnight. I did not know this. I don't know why I wouldn't have heard this. Um, it came out February 5th, 2021 after having to be released after having its release to be pushed out of 2020 due to the obviously COVID-19. Okay. Um, just looking. So I'm wondering if this film is going to be around that album. That would be interesting if that, if they, t- and it's also be a promotional feature for him. Man, that's fucking smart. If he does that, like where the, the movie is like, you know, got their, that album playing in the background or that's the music that they're like working on. Mm hmm. God, that's such a smart move on his behalf. It's like, I'm going to get sales of this up, guys. Watch this. (laughs) I mean, they started working on... Okay, so they took a break in 2018. Um, They just had been working too hard. They'd been touring too much after their ninth album. And let me see. Uh, The break would last for less than a year because Grohl started doing his own material, you know, and then the band started contributing shortly after. Okay, so obviously they started recording in 2019. I just want to see if there's anything in relation. They captured unexplainable footage on video. What the hell? Hold on. Oh, my God. Are you serious? Yes. Okay, I'm going to read this whole thing. And this is from Wikipedia for what it's worth, so take it with a grain of salt, okay? Um, the album was recorded in a large old house from the 1940s in Encino, Los Angeles. Recording sessions proceeded quickly. Something grow attributed to two things, that the material was progressing quickly and that there was recording in an environment where strange things kept happening. Per Grohl, he recalled, I knew the vibes were definitely off, but the sound was fucking on. We would come back to the studio the next day and all of the guitars would be detuned or the setting we put on the mixing board, all of them had gone back to zero. We would open up um, a pro tool session and tracks would be missing. There were some tracks that we put were put on there that we didn't put on there, but were just like weird open mic noises. Nothing playing, playing an instrument, or nobody playing an instrument or anything like that. Just an open mic recording a room. Interesting. Grohl noted that they captured unexplainable footage on video, but due to a non-disclosure agreement with the house's owner, which sounds, I mean, I I guess I could see that, but also it kind of makes it just like, hey, it was spooky. We just can't tell you about it, you know. Um, this almost sounds like the the lead up to the Blair Witch, where they like were trying to get a lot more uh, people to uh, watch the movie, so they put all that stuff on social media, which was in its infancy at the yeah. time. You know, and they were like, "Oh, this is based on a real story," and then they like had like little links that they peppered out there. Almost sounds like that they've done that. It's like Babe Girl was like, "Let me go to this Wikipedia site and put this in there." Based, what, what was that? What is House of the Devil based on? Actual or based on? 
inspired uh, by or what was it inspired by actual events or oh something gosh, yeah, yeah. um anyway so uh the reason why there was a non-disclosure agreement was the house owner was attempting to sell the property the footage cannot be shown contrary to the concrete and gold sessions which frequently ended in nights of large cookouts drinking and parties the sessions were wrapped up as quickly as possible in february 2020 Grohl confirmed that the album was finished and that's all that is said about it on the wiki wiki um, medicine at midnight. We'll have to look into that a little more. Yeah. I, I'm not going to buy this album just for that, but now I'm interested in yeah. it just to see what, I mean, it, it, that'd be awesome if there's like EVPs that like somehow play in the background or yeah, something. Yeah, I'm wondering if like it's like on in. Pandora or something. I have premium, so. <laughs> um, this is kind of horrific in another way. Uh, from iHorror.com. Uh, production is wrapped on a Halloween themed "Bring It On" sequel. Uh, "Bring It On," cheer or die. Oh my god! <laughs> the movie follows a cheer squad practicing the routines overnight and in an abandoned uh, school during the Halloween weekend, and one by one, they are being picked off by a deranged killer. The movie has a tentative release a date of fall of twenty twenty two. Oh my god! <laughs> I mean, and this is like the seventh or eighth one of these. I didn't realize they were that many at this point, but like, it's ridiculous how many of these have went like straight to video. Oh yeah, <laughs> I mean, come on now. <laughs> I hated cheer when I was a cheerleader. I hated cheer when I was a cheer coach. <laughs> My daughter extra hates cheer, so I think she's gonna love this film. <laughs> Where they're actually killing them off. That was the one thing I thought. I was like, I've not really cared for any. I mean, I didn't really think the first one was that great, but I mean, it had like Kirsten Dunst, I believe, was in it. And, yeah. Uh, Elise, uh, Liza Dushku, and, um, and then, of course, uh, uh, from uh, Supernatural, what was the. Uh, he he was the the fill in for Bobby. Uh, what was the, the, the skinny kid's name that played that? You know who I'm talking about. No, I don't actually. The little skinny nerdy kid that became a werewolf later on, like, and he was, uh, and he, he, he kind of filled in the role. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Um, I, I don't know his name. Well, I thought you might've known his name in the show, but at least, but he was in that too. I remember that was one of his first films, I believe was, was, or well, or am I thinking of, no, I'm thinking like, they took a I'm, th- I'm combining movies now because Eliza Dushku was in a movie with him where she was like, you know, trying to make him into like, uh, like some kind of badass or something. Now I remember what it was like, yeah, two totally different films, but anyways, um, I just, I, I, I don't know. Like, I felt like the first one was fine. I mean, for that series, there was a lot of movies around that time. There was one where the cheerleaders, uh, the one girl was pregnant and she was trying to like get enough money to go to school or something. So they robbed a bunch of people. There was, Oh yeah. And uh, there was a bunch of those around that time. And I just, I'm like, why are these still being made? But like, it would be interesting to see like the, the Halloween version of it as long yeah. as they don't go the route of, as long as they don't go the route of Medea and make it to where it was like, Oh, at the end of it, none of the supernatural stuff really happened. That was the biggest things that aggravates me about those uh, boo movies that Tyler Perry made. It was like, okay, you've got some of the horror elements down. You've got, I mean, I like where you're going with this. And at the end of the movie, it's like, oh, well, because I'm a church going guy, none of this really happened. So don't hate me, church folk. I, I, you know, I don't believe in the devil's holiday or whatever. And it's just like, boo. I mean, the the title is the the critique of it. (laughs) The thing about this film is that it just sounds so cheap. Like, oh, my God, we're cheerleaders. Let's go practice in an abandoned high school. That'll be so fun. 
That'd be so creepy. <laughs> I don't know that I can hang. Um, oh my god! It it's it just screams B film to me, full blown. And I'm oh, sure a lot of these I'll films be. they progressed from, you know, big studio films, and they just kept going and going and going. I mean, you're beating a dead horse at this point, you know. Yeah, I, I feel like that they that this will be a straight to video or straight to Netflix or or some streaming service type thing because I see no way that this movie, unless they really think they've got something with it, that it's going to even attempt to be out in a movie theater anywhere. Yeah, it's I not going to hit you're, hard for fans. Well, I mean, you're gonna you're definitely going to watch it, but it's not going to hit hard for fans like you and I in general because you're going to have to have younger actors and actresses, and we are not like in tune with a lot of the younger incoming, you know, thespians, if you will. By the way, that character's name that I was uh, struggling was DJ Qualls. Okay. Yeah. I, I still can't remember the character he played in supernatural, but you know, he was, he was there, but yeah, these, these movies, I, I just feel like there's no way they can say, I mean, if you're not like, it's hard for any movie now, if you're not like one of the big Marvel blockbuster movies to do anything, which is a sad statement about the movie theater or movie industry, but there's no way in hell a movie like this would, would stand out. Yeah. I mean. Garth. <sighs> he plays Garth. Garth. Yes. Yes. Garth. Fuck. That took us forever. We're getting old. <laughs> Well, I just, I mean, the main crew is the ones I focus on. So yeah, yeah. What. Oh, my God. He's been in so many movies. Yeah, the new guy was the one I was thinking of, and that was one of the lights of Douche Coup was the one that was trying to help him out in that. I loved I that movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's just so that dumb. scene I remember, and, and I feel like it's a scene that they play up, and uh, but it, it the two combined because it's like her, she's trying out all these different outfits or something in front of him or something like that. And it's like, you know, for a guy that looks like him, that's like a dream. Like the scene yeah. that looks like her, like, you know, modeling clothes or whatever. So, Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I can't believe I forgot about that film. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, from pay- And then finally, from Page Six News, Chaos, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina Star, uh, Karen and Shipka, and you sent this to me. God. I, I really, the, oh, God. Uh, Karen <laughs> Shipka joined join Spider-Man No Way Home actress Zendaya and Will, Willow Smith to make the cringiest reading singing cover of David Bowie's changes that has ever been put to film and should have never been put to film. Um, with no particular production quality, it is all filmed on what looks like a Zoom conference call and featuring William Shatner-esque reading of the lyrics in between some snippets of quote-unquote singing, if you want to call it that. Yeah. Um, the video is more uh, horrific than any of the movies we have covered on Death Holler, and that is the tr- truth. <laughs> oh my god! It's the thing of okay. Well, what was your opinion of this? Because you sent this to me. I first because it did start off as like some kind of you know open open poetry night or something like that is how I would. <laughs> You know, that's the best way to describe it. And I think probably the worst part about it is that when you're, I don't know what they were trying to do. Were they trying to like praise David Bowie? Were they just trying to use his lyrics to signify quotation mark changes? I really don't even remember 
what the whole meaning behind this was, but it didn't hit I'm the mark. I'm sure it had like some kind of undertones of like, you know, uh, society changes and stuff like that, you know, they, cause that's what the song's kind of about. So I'm sure they were trying to use it for that portion of it. Um, so whatever they were trying to get across, it didn't because first you're watching it and you're scratching your head and you're like, I, I think I recognize these lyrics what are they getting at? I never found out what they were getting at. Um, I did find out that Karen and Shipka actually can sing. So, I mean, because she wasn't bad. She, she was she, actually decent, but I think the people on that show could kind of sing. So, I, yes. you know, that kind of works. Well, but that's the thing is it's not always them singing. So, I wasn't 100%. Like, <laughs> I, I definitely questioned some people. Like, all of them can sing. Really? All of them, Reverend? <laughs> I don't believe well, it. no, not on the, but I mean, like you know, the, the majority of them, they, they they picked a cast that that probably if they would have went with just straight up actors would have been better. Because I feel yeah, like the ones that could sing the best were the mo- the worst actors on the show. Probably, yeah. Well, okay, so they they did this in honor of the late artist's birthday. So they were trying to honor him, but you can tell everyone except for Karen Shipka. She actually rehearsed because she had her fucking lines down. The other two were reading it. You could tell they were looking down and reading something, and Zendaya was the worst. Well, obviously, and I mean, I don't think she has any talent in the area, but the funny thing to me with Bad Willow Smith is it, because she actually has a history of being a singer. I mean, like, she, and a pretty good one. Group, yeah, she, I mean, I. I'm like everybody else. I got tired of hearing her whip her hair back oh, and forth. That, no, no, I no. Mean, her most recent stuff. She has this song, uh, Meet Me at Our Spot or something. She sings with this other really good singer as well. And I did not know she had okay. a voice. She she actually has a beautiful voice when she uses it the right way. And it, <laughs> and this was a live show. The, the studio version of this song sounds terrible. The live version of her singing it live was beautiful. So I was like, yeah, yes. I was like, I did not know. I'm like, why are you dumbing down her voice in the studio? So uh, anyways, going off that though, she, so she can sing. Um, I really never heard whip my hair back and forth except for a few clips here and there. So thank God I I was able to avoid that pretty good. Obviously, you know, I can avoid huge things pretty well. (laughs) Obviously, I don't see a lot of films. My favorite thing about, the, the went my hair back and forth was the meme that came out around I mean it was one of the first memes too uh, or that I remember seeing uh because and it was a scene from um uh it's a wonderful life where uh uh George Bailey's wife uh or well wife to be she's uh she he's just said some really mean stuff to her he's kind of like feeling down in the dumps about things and like he's he's kind of walked out for a second and she's playing this song in the background that's uh uh that that's like kind of their song that they had whenever they were younger and like she picks it up <laughs> and she breaks the album and like everybody and they changed it where it's like i whip my hair back and forth and she goes and she picks it up and she breaks the album so it'll stop. yeah and i was like that's pretty good you know <laughs> oh my god you could totally do that today with like wop oh god you could do it with a lot of those like that but WAP for sure yeah oh my god so yeah anyways going back to the girls though um i <laughs> Who decided, I don't know who put this together and thought this was a good idea. Um, and ladies, especially like, especially Zendaya and especially Willa Smith, ladies of color, you know, 
I guess that has nothing to do with David. Well, he had, his wife was a woman of color. When you're going to like honor somebody, like sitting there and just like you didn't take the time to like learn the lyrics of the song, so you're going there to represent these lyrics, but you're sitting here like reading them off of a piece of paper. Like it's David Bowie. I, I you know, he probably if he were alive, he'd probably be like, oh, thanks, you know, like he he wouldn't have made a big deal out of it. But it's like they didn't even try. It was it was so bleh. There's um there's something I mean it's a total tangent, but when uh David Bowie was alive and, and young in his career, he did a duet uh with uh Bing Crosby as one of the last few things I think Bing was uh, known to do. And I, I don't know, I mean, I you I, I don't know how you feel about this, but I think Bing Crosby for time was one of the best crooners uh, yeah. out there. I mean, like his voice, the way that you know the just the tone. I mean, I love like the the lyrical stuff that he added to the uh, the Ichabod Crane, you know, Disney uh, cartoon. Yes, but but um, like him and like it, the two of them work so well together. If it's something you ever want, I mean, you want to see an actual like David Bowie because it's like I mean, it's a tribute song. It's a little drummer boy, and um, there's one other song that like they together and they're both seeing it together but like they they've got it matched up and it's like i mean it just the two of them work together so well and they're so different from each other you got that the old time crew yeah you got the david bowie who's this you know like this new musical genre that's coming out and like i mean it puts this shit show to shame that that they just came out with 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 this uh you know quote unquote you know a, you know a celebration or tribute that they did yeah i I'm sure, like, cause it, I'm okay. So it was put together by W Magazine, which I mean, that's not relevant or anything. But so this magazine decided to put out this tribute. So they, I'm sure, got these girls together. It's like, hey, we're gonna do this, and they're like, okay, cool. What do I have to do? Oh, you're just gonna be basically reciting lyrics. You can sing them. And like, you're right. There's well, not you're right, but no, you are. You're the one who put it. There's no direction whatsoever. They're just like, okay. I bet you they felt awkward about it, probably. And now they probably feel even worse because they got fucking ripped. Well, of course they did. I mean, David Bowie is still like beloved by a lot of people today. I mean, you know, politically he was uh, very progressive. So, I mean, you know, he never really, uh, he never, he never canceled culture by anybody. Um, and then, you know, his, I mean, anybody on both political sides can agree. He was, you know, lyrically, I mean, he came up with some very interesting songs. He had a great voice. I mean, I don't, and to sit there and like do a half-hearted tribute i mean i don't even know why they i mean it was like you could tell that willow and and zendaya didn't even they didn't care about him i didn't really feel like they yeah didn't i mean like it like i mean they put no effort in what they were doing it was just like and it's like all right i was asked to do this so you know let me let me read this and it was literally i mean when i say like william shatner-esque it was almost like chicha changes you know? yeah like, i mean i can imagine him singing it in a better way doing his weird yes. pseudo lyrics than than what they did yeah it's just that i don't know it's like and i'm not praising Kenan ship shipka she she was just as cringe but she tried like you can tell she genuinely she tried yeah. she knew the lyrics she had a pretty voice she was she 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 tried i mean she tried and she failed she, she wasn't great mm -mm. but she wasn't 
terrible. Yeah, and it like it wasn't disrespectful. And I, I'm so surprised at this point we have not seen anybody come out and be like, well, you guys are just being racist because there's two women of color, not us specifically, but everyone, <laughs> because they got ripped by yeah. everyone. No one had anything nice True. to say about it. True. You know, and... Anytime that you... Yeah. We haven't heard anybody say, you're just being racist. There's two women of color honoring a white man, and you guys can't even, you know, give them that. So I think people more than anything just wanted it to go away. They're just like, nah, just fucking, just let's, let's not ever talk I, about I, this again. I was honestly sad I even clipped on or clicked on the video that you sent me. I'm going to this because she sent it to me and then i was like what the hell did i just get sent i know i was like if i have to watch this shit you have to watch this shit i knew that was what you were doing (laughs) as soon as i got that i was like she suffered by seeing this and decided i was gonna suffer that whore (laughs) you're welcome reverend yes (laughs) well i'm Um, I'm about over that that now is all the news i have uh if you got anything uh, the, the, any news uh, to add to that or anything that's came up recently? No, I didn't even. I mean, obviously you had. This was a cool news thing because you hadn't even sent me the thing yet. So <laughs> I really had no idea for sure what we were going to talk about. So I that's like my favorite way of doing news. Um, but uh, why don't we move on to the weather? Okay, up next on the weather, uh, and this is going to be a short one. Our meteorologist, Gail Weathers, is up next <laughs> with a forecast guaranteed to make you Good night, everyone. <laughs> Fucking hate you. Oh, my God. I, I, I honestly, I couldn't really think of anything. And I was just like, I was getting ready to watch Scream. I'm like, fine. I'm going to I'm gonna make the meteorologist be Gail Weathers. It's <laughs> a perfect name for a meteorologist. And that's a perfect little pun that I can throw in at the end. Oh, my God. Get out of here. Recording. <laughs> <laughs> That's you, Reverend. You got to start. <laughs> oh, you're waiting for the intro, oh, I huh? You, I thought you had an intro or something. You put those in after. Definitely keeping this on the bloopers. <laughs> yeah, go ahead and just get started.